That smooth Christian jazz you're hearing means you've tuned in to Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. I'm your co-host, Aaron Zimmerman. I'll be joined by Jacob Smith as each week we break down the lectionary readings for the upcoming Sunday. To give you something to think about, and if you're a preacher, to give you something to preach about, and no matter who you are, to give you a connection to the never-changing message of God's grace for actual people like you. Unzip that monogrammed faux leather Bible carrying case and cover, pull up a chair, and let's dig in. Welcome to another episode of Same Old Song, the lectionary podcast of Mockingbird Ministries. Jacob Smith and I, Aaron Zimmerman, are your co-hosts, coming in hot for Transfiguration Sunday. The last Sunday in Epiphany Tide, Jake, we get shiny, happy faces and uh, a lot of Old Testament, New Testament interaction here. Uh, so we jump in uh, with Exodus. We continue with Second Corinthians chapter three and ending with Luke chapter nine. So uh, let's let's jump in here, Jake. Uh, you doing all right? I'm doing great, and uh, yeah, I I actually uh, really um, love the last Sunday of Epiphany because it kind of you know it it feels like we're kind of the year is moving forward, and uh, you finish the last of like the the opening liturgical year and um, and uh, the opening of the new year, and so I just I, I kind of I really I feel like the 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 last Sunday of Epiphany is a big mile marker for me in a year when it comes to church life and preaching. Uh, yeah, and, and also so we we, you're also coming down the high of whatever went wrong on Valentine's Day, uh, and <laughs> and prepared to do whatever penance is coming up in Lent. Uh, yeah, it is. It's a really great time to reboot all of the get ready to reboot all of the uh, New Year's resolutions that you failed at, and uh, you know this time we're actually going to do it. Oh wait, that's the ministry of Moses, <laughs> that's and right. that's a perfect segue right into Exodus chapter thirty. I love your segues, and, Jake. <laughs> I tell you, segues. So, um, <laughs> the, the same old song brought to you by Segway. That's right. So Our anyway, new sponsor, um, if you're listening, anybody yeah, have those anymore? But it, They're in my garage with my hoverboard. So, but uh, we begin with Exodus chapter 34, and we're at the end of um, 34, um, verses 29 through 35, and um, and this really is it's kind of part of a bigger picture at the end of Exodus. Um, this is the second time around with the law and uh, the second time of the receiving of the commandments. If you remember the first time um, in 32, it didn't go so well, and um, uh, Moses broke the commandments. And uh, so, but here we see um, no matter how angry God gets at his people and no matter how um, um on how much unbelief they actually have, God continues to pursue them. And so Moses comes down and his face is as white as snow. No, that's um, Mary's little lamb, but his <laughs> face is bright and shiny. And this is why oftentimes in art and sculpture, you'll see Moses uh, portrayed with horns. Um, it's not like literally horns, um, but it's, it's the light that is radiating from his face after his divine encounters. Yeah, and I think in, this is uh, one of those Sundays of the year, Jake, where the readings are so intertwined together. I mean, there's always an idea to link things thematically, uh, but this Sunday, the yeah. the message here is it sort of has to address this 
uh, fact of the transfiguration, and it's hard to understand why the transfiguration matters if you don't have the background in Exodus. And so while you're really, I think, you know, he, we're, we're on this podcast to share nuggets and kind of how we would approach these texts, where we would go with it. Hopefully you, listener, will get something out of it. But the idea is um, you're, you kind of have to say something on Transfiguration Sunday about what happens on the top of the mountain with Jesus and his mm-hmm. disciples. But this gives you the context, because most people have no idea why Transfiguration matters. Why does it matter that Jesus went up on a hill and got shiny? Um, and mm-hmm. if you don't get the Exodus uh, portion of it, you can't make as much. I mean, it's it's impressive. It's a nice party trick to get shiny. But unless, I mean, uh, Peter and James obviously knew why it, why it was a big deal because they knew Moses had gone up on a mountain and had received the law and Moses came down with a shining face. And so they were kind of getting what was happening. But if we don't have that background, we don't know uh, why it's important that Jesus does it. To, and, you know, spoiler yeah. alert, the point here of all this is that Jesus is greater than Moses. The gospel uh, supersedes the law, that, that the ministry of grace is a ministry, uh, and the ministry of the gospel is one of life as opposed to one of death. But we get the background in Exodus. So what would you say about Moses is going up on the mountain. How would you lay the groundwork here, Jacob? Yeah, well, I would say that, you know, um, so Moses goes up and he meets with God and uh, and he comes down with the two tablets of the law, um, of the covenant in his hand, and, uh, and his face is beaming. And uh, this is because he has literally been in the presence of God. And the fact is, is that this is a terrifying thing. Um, anybody who talks about, you know, um, uh, you know, wants to get into um, uh, spirituality and all of this stuff willy-nilly and wants to just kind of interact with God on their own uh, has never really come into contact with God. Um, it's it's a terrifying thing, the people of Israel. And even when Moses comes down and his face is shining, they're afraid of him. And so... Um, These people uh, haven't well, watched is, the Raiders of the Lost Ark, clearly. Yeah, that's right. And so, but what happens is, is that Moses, his face is veiled. And uh, this is, uh, but, um, and this is one to kind of uh, put a, a mediator between them and God. And so Moses alone isn't the mediator, but but it's to put a mediator between him and God. But the interesting thing is that his face radiating, because it's the ministry of the law, it doesn't last it doesn't last until he goes back up and communes with God. And I think this is an interesting thing when you look at all of the readings together, how the law actually operates, is that, um, you know, it can, it can create a shine and a gleam for a moment, but in this age, it doesn't last. It doesn't last. And this begins to move us into the epistle reading where uh, St. Paul um, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 4 through 2, in, in chapter 3, he really is doing this contrasting between the ministry of Moses and the ministry of Jesus, the ministry of the gospel. And, uh, you know, and, um, and uh, talks about the lasting of the gospel and that how actually the veil, the Israelites putting the veil over people's hearts, uh, or over Moses's face is a kind of an illustration of the veil that was hanging over people's hearts. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things that I think is a main idea to get out on this Sunday is that the ministry of the gospel, the ministry of Jesus Christ, is different than any ministry that is based in the law primarily. Um, and uh, this is why Paul is going to say we have this hope that we can act with boldness. Again, the response of the people when Moses comes down from the mountain with his face gleaming, with the law, which is good, 
It's righteous. It's holy. Mm-hmm. Uh, their response is, we can't bear to look at it. Um, and you see this come up in human um, interaction all the time. If you have a sibling in your family who's like the golden child of the family, all the other siblings hate that person. Mm-hmm. Uh, nobody wants to be around a Dudley Do-Right or a uh, whatever the female equivalent of Dudley Do-Right is. Nobody, you know, somebody who's just kind of killing it and getting it done and just seems to exemplify perfection and law and holiness those people often are not attractive. You know, we, do, we, we don't want to be reminded of the ways we're not measuring up. This is why Instagram makes everybody more depressed uh, because we see what we're not doing. And so when Moses comes down from the mountain, he has to cover his face. And uh, same thing today. Um, if you have a ministry that's based in law, it will actually repel people. It may attract people for, for a time. As you say, the law does have some sort of temporary effect, but the shelf life is short. It, it runs out. And so uh, Paul says the difference now for us with the gospel, if you know that you are forgiven, and Paul gets to this, verse 17 of chapter 3, now the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So there's no need to hide. There's no need to be ashamed. We are, we're not sad that we're not measuring up and therefore hiding. We know that we have been forgiven, that the atonement is real, and that we can stand with unveiled faces seeing the glory of the Lord uh, because God is doing this work. We're being transformed. Again, not we are transforming ourselves, but God, in verse 18, is the one who's transforming us. The Spirit's work. Yeah, it's about sanctification here. Yeah, I love what St. Paul says. Indeed, to this very day when Moses is read, a veil lies over their minds. You know, and uh, the veil is is to blind you to how Jesus has accomplished, what Jesus has accomplished. Um, You know, either you're going to do it, which leads to Pharisaism, or um, there is no hope, which leads to despair. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, why is the veil removed? Because we see now that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the law and the prophets. And really, this is what the entire reading of the front part of Luke chapter 9 is all about in our reading today, the transfiguration. We begin to see that Jesus is the, he's, he doesn't, it doesn't abolish it. And it doesn't say that, um, that the law was no good. No, no. What we're saying is, is that Jesus is the fulfillment of it. And when one turns to Christ and sees him in all of his glory, which is crucified on the cross, there we, we see what it's all about. And, um, and the veil is finally removed, which leads to freedom and which leads us to reflect a life that's a mirror of his in love and service of our neighbor, uh, moving from one degree of glory to the another. And that oftentimes in this age looks like suffering and the denial of self. But, uh, and as you said, this is, this is the definition of what sanctification is. Unholy people, um, despite themselves, uh, looking to the world like holy folks. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and and we do this just by keeping on to preach the message that we always preach, as as Paul says in verse two of chapter four of Second yep. Corinthians. We don't have another message. We're not falsifying God's word or trying to be sneaky or have gimmicks or you know give away a new car, or church, or uh, whatever it may be. I know you do that at Calvary St. George. I'm not judging you for doing that. You got to get the people in. It's New York, and it's hard. You know, Wake was full of Baptists. They come to church anyways, yeah. but. You right. gotta, you gotta give the the carrot. Um, but yeah, we don't, we don't. It's just open statement of the truth. We just tell people again That's and right. again this ministry of mercy. And, 
And the truth is, is that I think ultimately for preachers, this is an encouraging word as you read it for you. You know, your call isn't necessarily to be successful. I mean, I would love to be successful, but our call isn't to be successful. Our call is to be faithful to this word mm. and to preach it. And, uh, and that, I mean, and so we don't need to dumb it down. You don't need to water it down because you're worried you're going to offend some people. Uh, the Christian position is, is that Jesus has fulfilled the law yeah. and he is the salvation of the world. And so, and so put that forward. And uh, that's what actually the transfiguration is all about. He is the fulfillment of the Jewish religion. And so we don't need to water it down. We just need to, and you know, every part of me, especially here in New York City, wants to like kind of hide that. But man, you got to let that dog hunt. And, uh, um, and uh, and that is and that's how I can truly commend as St. Paul's our conscience to everyone in the sight of God, because uh, we just lay it down and, and we let God do the work. Yeah, but and this is what it's about. And you know, one thing that um, you know this passage gets at. This is one of those things where Paul was writing very uh, occasionally, like there was a specific thing he was dealing with, which was why are his people, why are the Jewish people not being receptive to the message of Christ the Messiah? And he's trying to explain that, and he's using stuff from uh, his uh, tradition, obviously, in Exodus to talk about that. So there's a very specific thing that Paul is working through here. But again, it this also sort of applies to anyone. I mean, uh, the, the church is the new Israel. There's also a part in every human being where we're kind of also the people of Israel. That's why we still read these stories, because we have the same thing going on. And it, the truth that he's saying here is if you preach the law, there's going to be a veil. There's going to be a division. There's going to be a block. Um, but where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And there's that's freedom. our ministry. And that's true for everybody. So if you have a ministry that's primarily based on law, it will repel people. It will run out of gas. Uh, but if you have a ministry of the Spirit, of preaching this message of mercy and forgiveness, uh, the open statement of the truth, as Paul says in 4.2, that's what does this thing. The Holy Spirit does this work, and we are transformed. And uh, I don't have a good segue because I'm not Jacob Smith, but I do want to turn now to the gospel and this uh, reading in Luke 9 and just um, uh, kind of observe here, Jake, that I think um, there's so much going on here. There's a lot that uh, the text is trying to tell us. Um, you know, one thing uh, that jumps out to me clearly is that it's trying to say that Jesus is greater than Moses, uh, whereas Moses reflects the shining light on his own face, reflects God's light when he comes down from the mountain. He's reflecting that. It's sort of like uh, an after image kind of, or maybe after you've lit a match and you blow it out, that it still glows for a little while. Um, mm. But here, Jesus is not reflecting anything. He just, the light is coming from within him. And these light, I mean, light's coming from within him. So clearly this is not just Jesus is like Moses 2.0. There's something more going on yeah. here. Well, and, that, and, that's, and that's the key. So there's a couple of things here that you need to hit on. The first is, is they're up on a mountain to pray. So this is to hearken you back to Moses' visits to the mountain as well, where he communed with God. And uh, while he was praying there, his ap face appeared to shine and dazzle. What we are seeing here is uh, this is a movie preview, if you will, of, um, you know, one of the things I'm really looking forward to is, is I love the previews at a movie and uh, I love them. And, uh, and you get an insight into what's about to happen. And this is an insight into what is about to happen and into who Jesus actually is. And so these uh, three disciples, 
disciples are up there on the mountain, Peter, James, and John. And it says, and Moses and Elijah, they see Moses and Elijah. Both of them have been dead for years, but they're talking to him. And they're talking about something very specific. They're not talking about, you know, the weather. They are talking about his departure. And this is very clear, which he was about to accomplish in Jerusalem. So Jesus is speaking with them about how he is the fulfillment of both Moses, who embodies the law, and Elijah, who embodies all of the prophets. And this yep. is very, this is, this is important. And I love it, though. Peter and his companions were weighed down with sleep. Um but since they had stayed awake, they saw the glory um, of them. You know what I mean? So here they are. That It throws in this very human dynamic. These guys, they, they should have probably been to bed, but uh, they were hanging out, chatting, and this is what they saw. And uh, um, it's an amazing thing. Yeah, I think, um, so, there's a, there's so there's a lot you could say here. I think, okay, first it wants to say, if you're going up on a mountain, if you're um, a lot of religions at that time, but certainly in the Jewish religion, you go up to a mountain to meet God. Um, that's, I mean, since Moses, that's the deal. You go up to a mountain to meet God. And so Peter, James, and John are maybe thinking, we're going up on here because we're going to meet God. And then Jesus visually to them becomes God. So he wants yeah. to say, you thought we were going up this mountain to meet God, but I'm already here. Um, and the other thing clearly it's trying to show is that um, as you said, Jesus is the fulfillment of the law and the prophets. So Moses, the law, that represents kind of demand, do this or else. Uh, Elijah with the prophets was sort of saying, well, you didn't do it, so now or else is coming. And both of those things didn't work. And so God, the Father, by showing up and saying, listen to Jesus in verse 35, is sort of uh, acknowledging the fact that the law and the prophets didn't work. They testified to Jesus. They pointed to him. The law had its ministry. But the father, the voice from the cloud in verse 35, doesn't say, this is my son and Moses and Elijah. Listen to all of them. Uh, and you sometimes feel in some churches that's what is kind of done. Like all these things are mashed up together and Jesus is just another iteration of the law, uh, giving people new things to do. Uh, but that's not what the father says here. He says, this is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. Not listen to these three guys. Because Peter wants to say they're all equal. Verse 33, let's make three dwellings. Mm -hmm. Let's hang out for a while. We'll have this amazing ministry. It's like we're it's like a super band. It's like the traveling Wilburys. We're getting, re we're getting George mm -hmm. Harrison. We're getting Tom Petty. We're getting Roy Orbison. We'll all be amazing. And it's going to be a super group. And God says, no, mm -hmm. these are not equal. One thing is not like the other. And it's Jesus. And That's right. he's the one I want you to listen to. That's right. And, uh, and, that's, and that's exactly what happens. The cloud comes down. Um, and this is very, this is Exodus imagery and Exodus language. Yeah. And the thing that they hear is, this is my son, my chosen, listen to him. Yeah. And, uh, and there they find Jesus alone. And, um, yeah. Can I make one this, PS here, Jake? Before? Yeah, go for it. Uh, mm -hmm. One thing I'm thinking about too here, just when you were mentioning in verse 31 about how they're speaking about Jesus's departure, there's a lot of language about the atonement where it's presented in a way that it sounds like, you know, because the law didn't work, God had to go to plan B, which was had to send Jesus to take our sins on him. Right. Um, but what this makes clear, the three of them talking about Jesus's departure, his death and resurrection, is that Moses and Elijah are in on the whole thing and have been from That's the right. beginning. That the, That's right. The second person, the Trinity, in the Godhead 
from eternity, from the beginning, uncreated. This is this work of Christ was always part of the plan, um, and it's not like Moses and Elijah were were being benched, and now Jesus was going like it. it it's yeah. it was in from the beginning. So I just wanted to 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 mention that. Yeah, that, and and that's an important thing. Is that um, truly? I mean, the the actually the old covenant is the 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 ministry of the law and the prophets is not only um, uh, completed, but is given validity by the person and work of Jesus. This is what it's talking about. Without Jesus, it's just kind of hanging out there in the air, you mm. know? And so the, the point of Jesus and him, and him being transfigured is that he is not only being fulfilling their ministry, but he's giving validity to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And so, um, because the point was never for you to do it and f- never for you to stand on your own two feet. The, the whole point was to drive you to ultimately live by faith in the one who's been promised. And so, and that's Jesus. And so, but this is a mountaintop experience, if you will. And I love the fact that the transfiguration is on the last Sunday of Epiphany. It's the last Epiphany, if you will, before yeah. we go into Lent. Because the next section, the, the part in parentheses, these verses 37 through 43a, is all about kind of what life is when you come off the mountain. You want to hang out up there forever. You want to build three booths and just hang out with Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. But that is not the case. And uh, when you come down from the mountain, um, there's oftentimes you're met in this age with great failure. Yeah, uh, and Jesus immediately is confronted with the pain and suffering and frustration of the human condition. I mean, this is a, a man, it's a huge crowd that meets Jesus, first of all. And um, the first person to shout out is, you know, look at my son, my only child, and he's possessed uh, and by this force outside of him that uh, is hurting him. And you can talk about... Um, the fact that to some extent everybody can relate to this. You can, I think, faithfully, scripturally allegorize a little bit here, um, or, or at least yeah. just kind of speak figuratively, that we all know what it means to be controlled by something from within that puts us in harm's way. You know, that phrase, the devil made me do it, like that's something we can all really relate to. And this is something mm-hmm. that's happening, and, and Jesus... Is is characteristically blunt, uh, you, you know, you faithless well, but and perverse before generation. that, before yeah, that, yeah. I love, I love what he says. I love what he says. He says, "I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not do it." Yeah, you know what I mean. And this, like, really, I mean, anybody who thinks that they're in the ministry to save the world, yeah, um, uh, needs to check this out. There is only one savior of the world, and you are not it. That's and right. that is like that's something to like hang on to as a preacher. Maybe if if you don't want to preach anything about it, but like just remind yourself. Come, to, I I begged your disciples to do it, and they could not do it. Um, right. Now, I'm not celebrating that in the least bit because Jesus, like you're about to lead into, is about to give them, uh, be at his most pastoral. But but the point is here is that, um, you know, the disciples, you and I, are not saviors. Yeah. And what's interesting, and, it's unclear in his answer, you faithless and perverse generation, is he talking to his disciples who couldn't get it done? Is he talking to the crowd? Um, maybe he's doing both. Um, it's a very honest, very human statement from Jesus, how, how much longer do I have to bear with you, sort of goes against that sort of Jesus 
Ned Flanders kind of picture that a lot of people have. <laughs> uh, but he's sort of honest um, and just says, bring your son here. And again, he's just said, you, you're faithless, yet I'm still going to heal your son. Which is sort of amazing because yeah. so many people want to say, you got to have faith, you got to have faith. And if you have enough faith, uh, God can work. And here, yeah. clearly, he tells them, you have no faith and you're perverse, but still just bring him here. And and Jesus and the demon obviously reacts to Jesus's uh, command to come close. Uh, but Jesus just, again, with a word, rebukes and heals the boy and gives him back. A beautiful phrase, mm-hmm. gives him back to his, to his father. Um, which is exactly what, I mean, this is Jesus's ministry for all of us, uh, is to right. cleanse us and give us back to God. Um, and, you know, we've just had that language about this is my son, my chosen. I mean, there's a beautiful counterpoint here, father and son up on the mountain, and then father and son here down on, uh, down on, the, down on the ground. That's right. And, uh, and that, that is a beautiful, beautiful gospel point um, that, um, you know, Jesus has come to earth to give us all back uh, to mm. the Father. And, um, and you know, um, and in that, uh, we are astounded at the greatness of God as well. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that would save a wretch like me. And uh, the, the profound thing is on Transfigure Sunday is that you and I may never have a transfigured moment. You know, we may never encounter Jesus on the mountaintop. Um, and if I do, I'm sure I'll be running freaked out. But, um, the, but the point is, is that we do encounter Christ um, by his spirit when his word is preached. Uh, we do encounter Christ um, in those means that he's appointed in word and sacrament. And, uh, you know, and you may be saying to yourself as you're like off the mountaintop and in the valley uh, dealing with something that um, the disciples could not do it. And you're mm. dealing with this and you're like, well, what, what, what do I got? And well, that, those are the things you have. You have a promise from God mm. and it is sure because it's sealed in the blood of Jesus. And really that, um, that becomes the enabling word that um, makes us shine like the sun in the midst of the murkiness of life. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a beautiful picture. I, I feel like so many Christians just feel like they're not getting it done because they feel like Christianity is about the law. And, and yeah. the world is about the law, about how you're not measuring up. And I think you've mm-hmm. got here an exodus people who are getting the law for the second time after not measuring up, and they will continue to not measure up. Uh, in this passage in the Gospel of uh, Luke, you have uh, the disciples who can't stay awake on the mountain. They have the wrong interpretation of what's even going on with the transfiguration. Uh, Peter, in a similar moment to like when he wants to rebuke Jesus for saying he's going to uh, be crucified. Uh, he, he again here wants to, he just misses the point. He messes that up, um, wanting to make the dwellings on the mountain. Uh, then when they come down, the disciples aren't able to cast out the demon. I mean, there's just, there's so much failure and not measuring up among the disciples and the people. And yet God is faithful again and again and again. He, he, he reveals his glory to them, even though they don't deserve it. He reveals his healing power, even though they don't deserve it. So there's just a lot of grace here. And he's, of course, in Luke, headed to Jerusalem, headed to die, which is what we're going to be doing in Lent as we head into that season. Jesus decided to die, and he's, he's headed there now. So it's a great way to set people up uh, to enter that season of Lent, um, but also to know that Jesus is the one up on the mountain, uh, he's also the one down uh, in the valley, and he's also the one who will ultimately go to another hill 
and and uh, die and rise again for us. And I think that'll preach. Amen. That will. That will. So until next time, everybody, and uh, stay tuned. We'll have another podcast coming up for you uh, because Ash Wednesday is right around the corner. And so we will see you then. Bye. Thanks for listening to Same Old Song, and we hope you found some nuggets that will be helpful either in your preaching or just in your life. If you like what you heard, we would love it if you could leave a rating or review on iTunes. Dave's all will be sad if you don't. We'd like to thank the Narrativo Group for audio production. Keep that Bible by your bedside, ready to rock and roll.